0: Good morning, church. How are we doing in this cold weather? It's cold. But I'm from Osalli. But believe it or not, I actually love the cold. And when people say, well, and you from Osalli? I was like, yeah, that's why I'm living in, in the United States of Maryland, not in Oslo. So, Or Florida for that matter. So today's scripture, uh, it's a long one. So bear with me. I try to navigate the scripture through. Uh, but one of the things that, as I stand here, I'm pretty... When I'm here, I'm very transparent and very honest. This has been a very hard scripture, has kept me up at night, woke me up really early. And the passage that kept going over and over and over again is the one that we just read. So I'm going to try to navigate and eventually get to that passage. Uh, But let's open our Bibles and we're going to start reading the Word of God. And as you remember, uh, this is a series. So uh, keep that in mind as we go through. So... First Peter uh, one thirteen through 13-14 reads, Therefore, preparing your minds for actions and being sober-minded, set your hopes fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As to beating children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. It's a lot to pack in there, but I just want to highlight a couple of things. Therefore, it's a bridge to the previous uh, verses. So, If you don't know what happened last week, I'll suggest you go to our page and you can download and see Matt's sermon there. You can get caught up on that section, okay? But one of the things that I struggled with as I was reading this passage was what is holiness? You know, it's this word like that we always use or sometimes we avoid or we use uh, not necessarily correctly. So one of the things that I did trying to prepare for today's sermon was try to define what is holiness. But then also, the Bible is not very specific in terms of holiness, but it's more about specific about what makes you unholy. Therefore, that's what makes you holy, right? But I'm trying to, like, I'm a professor, so I'm trying to simplify things, trying to get definitions, trying to simplify it for you as best that I can. So I struggle with that to the point that I had to read Leviticus. Think about that, right? I had to go to Leviticus and read from 11 to 22 and there were so many things popping up there, but it helped me navigate and come out, what I will say, a good, uh, full definition of what holiness is and what is not. But before we get to that, one of the things that the verses 13 and 14 does is begins to set what's going to happen next. Okay? So prepare yourself. So we have the words underlined there. How did you prepare this morning to come to church? Like in my case, because I was nervous, right? I took out the outfits last night, tried them on, and then I realized that the waistline is not what I used to, right? So I had option A, option B, and then by the time I was down to option Z, right? So it's like this, how do you prepare? Now, as children and as parents, we have to prepare our children, correct, to arrive sometime early to the service. Now, this church is blessed because the average is like 4.5 children, right, per family. All right. So think about the preparation that it takes to get out of the house early. How do you prepare yourself to come and worship? How do you prepare yourself to come to the house of God? What are the things that you do mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually to come to the house of God? Now the words that it uses here is prepare your mind for action. It's almost like battle. I'm not a military person but I know we have military individuals in the, in the church. How do we, the military prepare themselves? What are the training do they go through? As a doctor, as a teacher, as a professor, as an IT, what are the things that we prepare yourself? But not only prepare our minds for action, but also being sober-minded. Now, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A lot of the stuff that we do, we think it's about us. But it's not. It's about Him. And today when we get to verses 15 and 16, please remember that. It's not about you. It's about Him. When we think about holiness, think about who He is and what He has done for us. He is holy. So therefore, let us be holy. And it's not an easy thing, let me tell you, because I wrestle with this. How do we become holy? What is the process? How do we get there? Now, verse 14, as a good parent that God is to us, look at the language that he uses. As obedient children, do not what? Confirm to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, I don't know your background personally. I was blessed that I come from a third-generation uh, evangelical Christians on one side, and fourth generation on the other side. We were the—my grand-grandfather was the first uh, evangelical Christian in his village. So I never grew up with alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic violence. I didn't see none of that. But I am sinful just by nature, correct? So regardless of your background, it says here, do not conform to the passions— that you were once had. Now, if, you're, if you had anyone or family member experience drug abuse, you know it's a difficult journey to recover. There's many relapses. It's not a straight shot. Sometimes the family suffers multiple times as this individual goes into recovery. And they're doing so well, and then all of a sudden, they fall back. And this is the notion here. As individuals that live in a holy place in this earth full of sin, do not go back to your passions that God rescued you from. Or fight your sinful nature. As what? As obedient children. Now, as we begin to unpack this language, there's a lot of references to the previous verses. There's a lot of references to uh, the Old Testament. So I can't connect all those dots for you today. So bear with me. I'm going to try to skip some things. One of the things that we learned from COVID is this idea of cleaning and san- uh, sanitizing the areas, correct? Now, I was going to bring a bag of Lysol and wipes. I didn't know how you want going to take that. So I just brought my hand sanitizer up, right? The 22nd rule, right, that your children had to memorize. The mask. Now, there's some individuals that took it to the Nth degree. For example, my sister this day, she will clean every single package that enters the house. When she goes grocery shopping, every single item has to be cleansed. Now, in our case, we didn't do that, right? Or take your shoes, take your clothes that you wore outside, put them to the laundry, separate them. This notion of cleanliness and sanitation. That, in essence, is what we're talking about holiness. We're impure, We have touched on pure surfaces. Therefore, we have to cleanse ourselves, sanitize ourselves. Now, as we begin to unpack these verses, 13 and 14, the things that I want you to take away from those verses are two things. They're commandments. Prepare yourself to be holy. In other words, understand that there is a process to be holy. Number two. Do not make yourself unholy. Wrestle with your sinful nature. Therefore, it's a decision that we have to make. Now, we begin to think about these things, and we say, but how does that look day to day? And I was just thinking before we got up here, it's really easy to be holy on Sunday, correct? I mean, if you're not holy on Sunday, there's other issues going on. But Monday through Saturday... It's really hard. Sunday, from 9.30 to about 10.45, we're as holy as we're going to be for the rest of the week, correct? But how do we carry that holiness for the rest of the week? Now, it's not an easy thing. You have to wrestle with it because you are sinful by nature. But it starts with your mind. It starts preparing. It's understanding what you need to do. It's comprehending. Now, but also it takes effort not to be unholy. You have to wrestle. And how do you do that? You pray. You read the Word. You fast. You fellowship with other individuals that are trying to be holy as well. And as we get to the meat of the sermon today, with the time that I have left, if I don't finish, stick around and then we'll do part two, okay? Uh, maybe that way we can increase the second sermon, okay? But, um, So when we get to 15 and 16, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in what? In all of your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy for what? Come on. For I am holy. Don't miss it. This is the the apex. We're at the climax. He who has called me is what? Holy. You also be holy. In what? In all of your conduct. These are powerful words. This is why I got stuck over and over and over again. Kept coming back to verse 15 and 16. This notion, Right? That he who has called me is holy. Therefore, I need to be what? Holy. When I read it, this is not something that you should do. Something that if you want to do. But this is a commandment. You have no other option because you have been cleansed by his blood. I see your faces. You're not liking this, right? his word. Trust me, I struggle with this for the week and a half. What does it mean to be holy? What is he trying to tell me? Now, in order to understand holiness, you need to understand the character of God and who he is. He cannot be around sin. But I am sinful. He cannot touch anything that is unholy. Yet, he reaches out to me. We come on Sunday, and in many cases, we're holy to worship him. Correct? Yet, he wants our praises. This is irony. This is not straightforward. But he commands me to be holy. And this is why you need to go to Leviticus. There's quotations there. On verse 16, since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Go to Leviticus. Start unpacking it. So this is kind of like, if you're taking notes, this is some of the things that I learned as I was reading uh, Leviticus. Every time that he alludes to holiness, this is some of the words that he uses. Acceptance. Sacred. Respect. Honor, acceptable, obedience, acknowledge, offering, dedicated, sanctify, sacrifice, consecrated, special purpose, special offering, special calling, pure, set apart. Now, I can go on for the next 20 minutes and look at each of those words. But I want to focus on two words today. I want to focus on pure and set apart. We are instruments that have been purified, cleansed, not by hand sanitizer or Lysol, but the blood of Jesus. I have also been called to be set apart, sanctified, For his glory and his purpose. Now, we're going to wrestle with this notion. How can I be purified, yet be in an impure world? How can I be set apart as an instrument, yet be called upon to reach those that are sinful? I'm an instrument. I've been set apart for a purpose. Let me give you an example. Many years ago, I wrestled with this notion. Monday through Saturday, you know, I was the son of a pastor. I mean, sorry, Sundays or weekends I was the son of the pastors, but Monday through Friday, I was an academic. I'm Dr. Luna. Doctor Luna on one side, the son of the pastor on the other side. And for decades those two worlds never met. It took many decades. Remember, I was born in a Christian household. I always saw my parents preaching on Sunday. My grandfather preaching, praying, my grandmother praying. But no one took the time to tell me that those two worlds can be unified. For decades, right? I was here, and then on Sunday I was over there. I don't remember the moment or the time where those two worlds met. But I do remember an instance at Maryland when I was advising students. It was around uh, uh, mid-finals where uh, there's a lot of situations where depression, uh, students not taking their their medication, uh, suicidal thoughts, you know, failing grades, high stress level. And I remember I had my office hours. I always had an open-door policy. If I'm there, you can come and talk to me. And I remember the end of the semester, behold, situations were rising up. The first student comes in, she goes, I, I'm suffering suicidal thoughts. Uh, I am depressed. And I was like, you know, let me see what we can do, refer her to certain things. The next student comes in. Uh, I remember him really well. African-American man, very skinny. Uh, I know him because he was struggling through a lot of his courses. And then he says, I need to tell you something. I said, what is it? He said, I cut myself. I'm I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. And I began to realize there was a theme going on. Never ever in the history of my academic life have I ever said these words, can I pray for you? I felt compelled to reach out to this individual and pray for him in a secular, highly secular environment. And he said, yes, you can pray for me." So I pray for him. I don't know what happened to him, never saw him again. The next individual that comes, he said, Dr. Luna, I'm struggling with my classes. I'm failing. I'm driving back and forth between here and Pennsylvania. My mom has stage 5 cancer, stage 4 cancer, breast cancer, and she's terminal ill. And I said the same thing. Can I pray for you? Back to back to back. At that moment, those two worlds met for the first time. And that began to set certain things in motion. A Bible study started popping up. I began to be more open about my faith. People start coming in from lectures and saying, I want to know more about those trips that you take. I never used the word mission trips. I never used the word, you know, I'm a Christian. There was just, you know, some coding words in there, right, as I lecture. But people began coming, talking down and said, can I learn more about the trips that you take? What's the nature of those purposes? And the people began to open up that they were Christians as well then I had to testify, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, I'm a son of a pastor. And it became to just, things began to change and unravel in a different way. And I don't know where you're at in your life, in academic, professionally, but I bet you that your words are not together. You're probably struggling, how do you unify those words? How do you unify what you do on Sunday versus what you do Monday through Friday or Saturday? I don't know. But I can tell you those two worlds should not be divided. You should find a way to combine them. Because you are holy. The one that has called you, it's holy. And therefore, you need to be holy, not in one area, but in everything that you do. In all of your conduct. In all of the areas of your life. You have to pursue holiness. It's not an easy thing. Because you struggle day to day. There's days that you're high in spirituality and there's days you're low. But how do you pursue holiness in all of your conduct? And as parents, when is the last time you had actually sat down with your child and said, Look, whatever you do in life, make sure that you glorify God and honor Him. Because you have been set apart. You have been purified by His holy blood. One of the hardest conversations I ever had to have is with friends of mine. that grew up in church with me, and I began to ask them, "Look, why don't you allow your child to come with us in our mission trips?" I remember really well a good friend of ours. They're sitting in the in the table, and he and she goes. He's a junior, and he was a junior in high school at that time. He goes, "He doesn't have time for that." I was like, "He doesn't have time in junior year of his high school year." When is he going to have time? We as parents sometimes begin to create this narrative in our children that you have to live separate lives in terms of who has God prepared you to be, whether it's through careers or talents or whatever the notion is as a musician. And then we said, I can't combine those two worlds. They don't work. They do work. Because the one that has set you apart is holy. Now, as you go home and you think about these verses, think about a couple of things. As you try to wrestle with what is holiness, from what I read in Leviticus and from my readings of the Bible this past week, I came to the conclusion that holiness is about him. It's not about me or my nature or my status or my sinful ways. It's about Him who is holy. Holiness is infectious. Not like COVID, right? But if you want to use the analogy, go ahead. Right? Like Omicron, right? Which we all got in the, in the holidays, right? Holiness should infect all of your beings all of your doings, all of your thinking. And let me take a step further, and I know you're not going to like this, even in your finances. Look at the list of your budget. And look at the things that are making you unholy. The things that are wrestling with you to make yourself closer to God. I mean, I can imagine right now. Right, I think my wife is watching. But um, you know, we have a Hulu account that I I can't even log in. Right, I have Disney Plus, I have Apple TV, I have Netflix, I have uh, Amazon Prime. What else do I have? I don't have Paramount Plus. But someone wants to give me the password, I'll take it. Right. (laughs) So lots of yes, lots of TV. Right. So think about that nature of me trying to get closer to God by and being distracted. What is infecting my being and my thoughts and my doing? What's infecting our children? Holiness is not an option, it's a commandment. If you're a Christian, if you raise your hand one day, you proclaim that He is your Savior and your Lord, you have to be holy. It's a commandment. Number four. Holiness is an instrument that has been set apart and purified for His glory. Only for His glory. Nothing else. So I have been set apart. I have been chosen. I have been called. And sometimes we wrestle with that. How can I be called? How can I be set apart? It's an instrument. You've been set apart. Pray. Ask Him. How? Can I be used as an instrument that you have set apart? It's not an easy discussion. But I pray that as you leave today, you begin to ask these questions. You begin to look at yourself and you begin to think about how can I be worthy of His glory and His honor as I've been set apart. Verses 17 to 21. And I call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each of one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed for the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. One of the things that we need to understand is that we're unholy. But he is holy and he's calling us to be holy. But once we understand that we're holy, we need to reflect that holiness. And I think for many Christians, this is where we stop. We've been sanctified, we've been purified, we've been set apart, we have been cleansed, and it stops right there. But one of the things that we need to begin to realize is that there was a ransom play play for ourselves. High price for your sins, for my sins, for my children, for my wife. That precious blood of Jesus was spilled over to make me holy, to be like him. Now, it's a difficult thing because we are in a holy, a sinful world. But as verse 17 says, as you are here while you are on earth, remember this. Be holy. Act holy. Reflect my holiness while you are exiles on earth. Now, one of the things of us understanding his sacrifice is that we should be gratitude. We should be thankful because of the price that he paid. Now, holiness usually is not associated with being grateful. Holy is not associated about being gracious. But that is the notion in those verses. Think about the prize that Jesus prayed for you. Think about his suffering in the cross. Think about the blood that was spilled for me and you. It should make you reflect his holiness. Not by force, but willingly. And it's a hard thing as we begin to think about holiness. What does holiness mean to you? As you define it, as you write it, as you read through Leviticus, just be grateful we're not living in Leviticus time. I mean, I was reading some of this stuff and I I was, you know, I'm not so analytical or logical, but I was like, some of this stuff does not make sense, right? If the insect that dies in the uh, yard where your food is, then that food is unholy. That jar needs to be broken. I'm like, but I, it wasn't my fault that insect die in that jar, right? But there was laws. There was ruling and, you know, expectations. But if we were to translate that to today... We have to think about what is making us unholy. I gave you the example of television. But there are other things in your life and in my life that's making me unholy day to day. It's to realize. It's to acknowledge. There are things that are making us unholy. There are things that we're wrestling with and we're struggling with. There are things that we need to say, I cannot. Many years ago, I had a soccer career, if you want to call it, quote-unquote. I was a prospect. Not a very good one, but I was a prospect. You wouldn't tell by my physique now, but yeah, I was. I was a goalkeeper. Yeah, not a good one, but yes. My joke was that I was the best player in a bad team and the worst player in a good team. Okay? That That was my ratings, okay? And I remember... For years, I used to play soccer Monday through Friday, and obviously Saturday to Sunday be at church. And I remember doing lots of pickup games where I used to live. And there were a lot of soccer leagues and semi-professional leagues that they wanted to recruit young players. Now, the problem was that these teens were filled with older men, and they used to bet a lot of money. So if you were a good player, they actually would put a bounty on you, and they would try to break your legs, you know, injure yourself so they can win. Now, I got invited to play in these games, and I was like, when is the game? They'll be like, it's on Sunday. And I was like, nope, can't go, because I had to go to church. And I do remember the only time that I said yes to a game, it was like the 80th minute, remember, I'm a goalkeeper. They needed a goal, and they sent me as a striker. I go up for the ball, and I got elbow right in my eye. Blood started gushing out, did not hit the ball, did not score. So I wish it would have had a happy ending, but it did not, right? But I realized, right, that Sundays were for God, right? I realized, and I fought with myself about that. I could have gone a couple times and played, but I didn't. For each of us, there is something that we need to set apart. There is something that we need to cleanse in our lives and say, no, we're going to dedicate this for God. And I know it's a struggle. It's a struggle to give up things that you like. Things that you desire. Things that you wish for. But as you become sanctified, and as you become purified, and as you begin to seek His holiness, the Holy Spirit will start telling you. He will start convicting you and saying, You know what? You shouldn't be doing that. You know what? You need to stop that. You know what? You need to focus more on me. You're going to wrestle with him. So the last point, we get to the last verses. And it says, Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. I understand what is holiness. I understand what makes me unholy. I understand that I have to work at being holy. I understand that it is a commandment. Now I need to reflect his holiness. Like I said, this is a hard thing. And I heard this from a preaching this week. The most miserable people on the face of the earth are Christians who have turned their back on Jesus. And I will add a little bit more to that. I have known Christians, quote unquote, that profess to be Christians. They're not only not lovable or loving, But in some cases, they don't reflect God's love. Why? If we had to unpack their lives, I bet you there are things that are making them unholy. I bet you there are things that they're struggling with. It could be their faith, their conviction, their obedience to the word of God. their wrestling. And their outward expression is one of not love. Many years ago, uh, I got invited uh, for a friend of mine to a church. And they had this pastor brought in from God knows where. And they invited us to eat afterwards with him. And I was like, I don't know, 22. I was still in college. And I remember we go to a Chinese restaurant. This is the pastors, the elders, uh, other pastors. And the way they describe and they behave towards the waitress. I would say it was not just rude, it was unspeakable. They just finished preaching, like literally 30 minutes ago. Right? Holy. Sanctified. Pure, here are the pulpits. But the moment you go out into the world, what are you reflecting? What is your social media reflecting, God knows? oh my, right? Some of the things that we read from Christians, quote-unquote, it makes you cringe. It makes you block them. It makes you unfollow them. It makes you unfriend them. Because they're not reflecting His love. So if you get anything out of today, Go back to verses 15 and 16. Go back to the center of that verse. Go back to the intent of Peter unifying what was in the Old Testament to the New Testament. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written... You shall be holy, for I am holy. Close your eyes and let that word just simmer in your brain, bounce around your brain. What is holy? What is holiness? What's making me unholy? What are the things that I'm wrestling day to day that is making me unholy? And my prayer today for this church, for those who are listening, those who are at home, or will watch later, is that God's true nature and his true character will reflect it on us. That what is inside of us, that gratitude, that graciousness, that thankfulness, that love, that mercy, that grace, the fruit of the Spirit will erupt in an outward expression towards those that are sinful. Those that we don't like. Those that we don't agree with politically. And that we're able to reflect God's holiness. Dear Father, this verse 15 and 16 has been just convicting me, just wrestling with holiness and unholiness. Father, as we leave today, that we go home and we begin to open our scriptures again, and we begin to dive in further and begin to understand what is holiness. How do we achieve holiness? How do we reflect holiness with one another and our family members and our children and our workplace? Father, we're holy because you are holy. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that you're moving and your spirit is convicting us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.